Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, we're going to be talking about DC's latest movie, Blue Beetle, which is going to be the second last movie in their old movie universe. But we'll get into that in a moment. So, zooming into our medium shot now. Sorry, full spoilers ahead. Just, you know by now, but just to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zooming into our medium shot. Tell me, Ryan, what was your first exposure to Blue Beetle? I assume it wasn't this movie. Or maybe it was. I don't know. Um, I know he's a character in the Injustice 2 video game that I played over 10 years ago. Uh, and that's about it. Great game. <laughs> because they did, they did the thing where they had so many characters, but they wanted you to play with so many characters, so they had his chapter mixed in with Firestorm. Yeah, the two teen so, heroes. And the way I played it, it was I did like two fights as Firestorm and two fights as Blue Beetle. He seemed like an okay character. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> My first exposure to Blue Beetle, I think, was circa 2008, give or take, which was pretty fresh, actually, because the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle only came out in 2006. So this was only a few years after this character even came out. For reference, the original Blue Beetle came out in the late 30s. That was Dan Garrett. The Ted Kord version was in the late 60s. And then Jaime Reyes was 2006. So my first exposure was 2008 on a cartoon called Batman the Brave and the Bold. And the whole thing about that show was it was based on more Silver Age, goofy Batman. And he teamed up with new DC heroes every week. And they went on crazy adventures that tended to be more related to those heroes than Batman himself, but Batman was just the linchpin of the whole show. I remember the two-part arc, I think it was a two-part arc, where he teamed up with Blue Beetle, went into space, and fought the Reach, which are the species that his scarab comes from. So, that was my first thing. And um, many years after the Young Justice cartoon featured Blue Beetle story pretty heavily in its second season. So that sort of solidified the story of Jaime Reyes to me. And I, I don't really know anything about him. Oh, and I played him in Injustice too a little bit. But Blue Beetle was one of those characters that was always, yeah, I'm aware of him. I, I kind of know what his deal is, but never mm -hmm. really stood out to me that much. But, uh, Justin, you know, the guy we bring up every time, he he's the biggest Blue Beetle fan I know. <laughs> Having him for a, for a best friend is very helpful as a Blue Beetle encyclopedia because Blue Beetle is his all-time favorite superhero. So he's more than happy to give me all these tidbits of information about Blue Beetle, a couple of which I'll be sharing later in the context of this movie. But uh, he saw it with me last night, very much enjoyed it. But uh, let's get into our close-up, and what did we think? So, a little backstory. Joe texted me saying, hey, what do you want to do for a podcast this, podcast this week? And I had literally had no ideas whatsoever. And you said, well, Blue Beetle's coming out. And a part of me was just kind of like, ugh. <laughs> I just didn't want to force myself to go see this movie. But I wasn't doing anything, and I was like, you know what? We're a movie podcast we got to make some sacrifices to see yeah. movies we don't want to see. So I went and saw it. There was about 20 people in my theater for downtown Toronto on opening night for a big DC property, which is concerning. Yeah. Sat through it, and I actually came out really enjoying it. Good. I haven't heard your reaction at all up to this point, so I really yeah, liked it as well. I was saving it. I thought... The movie stood out to me right away from its opening credits, where I yep. was happy to see that they respected the history of Blue Beetle. It's like I said, there was two other Blue Beetles before Jaime Reyes in real life. So, mm -hmm. and I think the idea in superhero movies of legacy characters is still kind of a new thing. We haven't really gotten there in the movies and shows yet. Marvel's trying to do it very unsuccessfully, might I add. <laughs> but I liked that this legacy wasn't something they were trying to force. It's just baked into the character. There were other Blue Beetles before him, and they didn't pretend like that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And for my money, they were pretty 
close to the history as well. I, I wanted to see more of Ted Cord though, which I'm sure we'll get into Ted Cord a little more, but uh, Ted Cord. Yeah, it's interesting. A thing about the uh, the opening credits, it felt very 2000s Marvel to me, where they're going oh, through yeah, yeah. like the little, kind of like the techno stuff, doing a little history behind the check, and then they actually show you the title of the movie, unlike how most modern day superhero movies now, they don't show you the title till the very end of the movie, which yeah. is weird because you're supposed to feel like, oh, we would just watch this amazing movie. But over the past few years, you've just kind of been like, uh, uh, yeah, that's the feeling mean. I got. So immediately I was like, okay, okay, I see, I see what this director's going for. It's a good old and it's weird. This whole montage. That's how we feel about this entire movie. To be honest, it feels like more old school, a two thousands movie with a little bit more of um, modern filmmaking put into it, and also hints of anime, which we'll get into as well. Right. Yeah, it's not entirely clear from the opening of the movie but justin pointed out to me that this is a pretty integral part of blue beetle history when the scarab is like smashing into asteroids and blowing up planets on its way that damaged it which if this movie does get a sequel i hope it does but if it does the reach are the species the scarab comes from and they're just straight up evil they're an evil species just hell-bent on taking over the universe but when this scarab, by the time this scarab got to Earth, it was damaged. So the scarab mm-hmm. apparently is just supposed to take over its host completely. So this symbiosis thing wasn't really in its building blocks. It's kind of an accident. The movie doesn't make clear that this is the purpose, but if it does get a sequel, I'm sure it'll go into that. But the fact that they showed the scarab, this one particularly, smashing through all these things on its way to Earth, that was what that was all about. And I this is just that part. <laughs> if I'm being honest, was that in the credits? That was the opening credits. It showed all the okay, different gotcha. co- all the different colored scarabs flying through space. Oh yes, yes. Which I remember got me because I have a faint, I have a faint image of just color co- uh, color coordinated people in scarab armor in a comics or a cartoon. Yeah, I just feel like that's an image somewhere. Blue beetles, kind of like Green Lantern. Yeah. But well, actually, they're the the reach are the enemies of the like the mortal enemies of the guardians of the universe and the Green Lantern Corps. Ah, which is why if you did a, I'll say this right off the top. Justin did say that for as much as he liked this movie, it doesn't scratch the surface of what Blue Beetle is all about. Most of it, right? Is it's a very those, safe movie. Most of it is more those cosmic adventures, and that's kind of the problem with this is that. You have to set up the character in a more grounded way in his, like, you got to get his family and his supporting cast and everything. Uh, what is this scarab? What's his relationship to it? You got to establish all these things. And that's kind of just the mm-hmm. problem with origin movies in general is they're all very formulaic. You kind of know how an origin movie is going to go, which is why with superhero movies especially, sequels are often a lot better because it takes... It, now that the origin's out of the way, we finally get to see what makes the hero special. Like, what's what's Jaime Reyes do that no other hero does? Well, you're not going to find that out by his origin story, but by a sequel, you definitely will. Most other superhero movie sequels do that, for my money. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, now that we know where you came from, like, everybody else basically gets the same story. Like, okay, what well, makes you special, though? And you get hints of it here. But it, uh, it it could have been it could have been more coming from a from a Blue Beetle fan in my life. But as it stands, <laughs> uh, solid introduction to Jaime Reyes, especially yeah. for for a C tier character that nobody knows outside of. I think what saves this movie from being mediocre is the costume design. First of all, beautiful and how it's. It's blend of both practical and CGI is seamless, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. You can't really tell when it is CGI or practical. Um, The family, obviously, and then also the action. I think the action is very... And it's it's kind of like his first real fight against the guy in the armored suit was kind of short and sweet. It was like, okay, wasn't anything too creative. 
But once you get to the final act and you really get to see Blue Beetle's powers and what he's able to do, uh, I thought it was very creative. It was. I like the flights with the sonic boom effect Mm -hmm. going through it. Yeah. The fights themselves, I didn't really feel anything during the fighting on an emotional level. It's just kind of looking at spectacle. I've seen a lot of these big CGI battles before. I'm a little numb to them. But I like the filmmaking in this one because, oh, wow, this Mm -hmm. is shocking. You actually use wide shots. I can see what's happening. You're (laughs) trying to throw in new things during the fight. Like, oh, he now uses these things to pin the guy to the to the ground or he's using sonic boom cannons or a big sword or or the spider tendrils that on sword his, is on so his, funny yeah on his back there's a lot of unique ways he's trying to fight in here which is mm-hmm. it, it keeps it interesting i don't know if this is in his backstory and i'll have to ask justin but i wonder if jaime is a fan of anime and I want to go back and look in this movie to see because we are we do go to his room at some point just to see if there's like an Easter egg of something anime in there. Because when he pulls out that giant sword at the very end and mm-hmm. does the whole flips and routines with it, I was like, that's anime right there. I can just tell that's anime inspired. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Um, and I ridiculous is a compliment to people who don't fun. come at yeah, me. In a fun way. Ridiculous in a fun way. Yeah. Like, wow, I can't it's believe you're doing this. It's in a fun way, yeah. Especially when, I mean, we'll get right into it, when he thinks uh, his uncle Rudy is, like, dead. He just full-on shouts like Rudy. And the most... Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like, Jolo's performance in this, go, go from me, goes from subtly good to a bit over the top. But I think that just comes to direction at the same time. But when he has like that full on scream, I was just like, that's anime as well. I think go, go. (laughs) Everybody in this movie was a little over the top, but I also Mm -hmm. think that was the style they were going for. This was definitely a a heightened reality. The comic moments are heightened. The actions heightened. The emotional reactions are heightened. It's like Mm -hmm. these are characters in a strange world. It's not like there is a bit of there is a lot of grounded moments that do make us feel for them as human beings in a one-on-one it's kind of relatable and it's 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 good in that way but there's also a lot of like okay yeah this is not uh you're you're going for different tones now but it is intentional it's just do you enjoy that or not i think that comes down to preference i don't think it's Mm -hmm. inherently bad or good but i enjoyed it yeah and Zolo's a very um I can't find the right term for it, but he's a very good like facial oh, acting. Yeah. It's like yeah. there's he's not oops. He there's he doesn't do much subtlety in this movie. Right. In Cobra Kai, however, he does a little bit, but he's always got like that whenever he someone throws something at him that like shocks him, he'll always do like a like a shocked look with his head or whatever. He'll never do any subtle acting in this movie, which I think is part of the character. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He's he's not a liar. He's always, you know, I mean, when he goes to get a job at a corporate place, he brings his entire family. So he's really got he's not really embarrassed of them. He's just got nothing to hide. I think it's more like his entire family brought him. Well, that's true. (laughs) I I got the impression. What what I liked about that, and I'll get into that a little bit more, is his family could be kind of overbearing at times. They were very in his face. They made fun of him a lot. They... Mm -hmm. They embarrassed him multiple times in front of Jenny, in front of his employers, just in terms of, he's just, they're, they're not, um, <laughs> once again, they're not subtle. They're very exaggerated people, but I like that he never, it never phased him that much. You could tell he was embarrassed, but he was never rude mm-hmm. about it. He never, yeah. He was never a dick to his family for how they were. He just kind of, eh, mm-hmm. this is how they are. They're my family. Well, it's kind of part know. of like, it's his family and I think their culture as well. It's just family is a big part of that culture for them. Yeah. And they're always together. Family is a huge part of this movie. And it's arguably the most important part of this movie for is sure. how they're all blend together. And I think it's represented well enough that it doesn't become a joke or a cliche. No, what I think it's like I was saying though, I think what subverts the cliche was that he 
was kind of just fine with how they were. I feel like most mm-hmm. movies would try to use exactly would try to use it as some kind of ammunition of oh man, my family's so embarrassing. I'm gonna be an edgy teen about it and <laughs> like oh, and now I'll discover family value by the end. But that's not that's yeah. not what it is. He always family was always valuable to him. It's more about okay. His whole drive in this movie was I went to college. And I'm going to try to make something of myself to pull my family out of poverty and debt. Mm-hmm. And like, you can still his, see the joy, the joy and dreams in his eyes as he yeah. gets off the plane. That's his entire drive is I'm trying to make something of myself for my family's benefit. I want to be the guy who gets out for their sake. One of the best subtle jokes in this movie is when he's talking to that old man on the escalator. And yeah. he's like, you look like you're a guy who's six figures in debt. But if you look closely, the old man's on Tinder, just swiping away because he's on vacation, I guess. To me, that was really funny. And I don't think, again, there's 20 people in my theater. I don't think anybody saw that. But for the 20 people, they had a blast as well. So they were laughing. I heard some people in the back of my theater bawling their eyes out at the end. Oh, yeah. There's some emotional parts to this. As a family guy myself, there are parts that hurt. (laughs) yeah the parts that hurt and there were parts that were hilarious the part that got me was and i really hope they'd circle back to this later was after his dad died and what i I found this a pretty compelling moment because it's probably how i would think in this situation too is when his mother the nana i'm like oh man her son just died so is she gonna be all like a a wreck like everybody Mm -hmm. else how's she how's she gonna be affected and she's kind of stone-faced and thinking about it she looks a little shell-shocked and they're like so so nana what what's going on she's like now's not the time to cry we fight and then at Mm -hmm. the end okay now's the time to cry it's the revolutionist in her (laughs) yeah which did get me a little choked up because like okay that that was a good callback bring it full circle like okay you focus that fight or that uh reveal (laughs) of nana just being like the revolutionary. You don't soldier. know many things about me. I mean, <laughs> there's many things you don't know about you, Nana. It's like the time Just I stormed so the fortress. Just so funny. I think everybody, when they're young, pictures their grandparents of just like as badasses. They're right. just always like, you don't know because they've, I mean, I'm a second generation. So I always pictured like my grandparents, they went through shit during World War II. So I always pictured them as tough. And <laughs> just seeing. Mm. Just seeing Nana with this giant gun that's made out of like a disco ball <laughs> or like a, not even a disco ball, but one of those that's just has like the rainbow of colors. Yeah. yeah. So funny. I thought that was hilarious. It's so over the top, but I love it. She's just screaming, I just was like, okay, guys. something different. That's believable. Yeah. At least it's not mediocre. I love that moment they tried. When, when they're waiting. She's just waiting patiently for them, all the bad guys to run around the corner in the hallway. And then she just mm-hmm. mows them all down. Yeah, it's that beautiful. Was, that was great. It's um, lost my train of thought there, <laughs> but yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was it was a fun thing, and I like how she never really explained it to anybody either. She's just like, eh, I'll tell you another time. Yeah, <laughs> it Not is. Now, I'm on now. <laughs> it is funny to me though, and I was thinking this as I watched the movie that. Jaime makes a clear point that I'm not going to kill anybody, but then you yeah. see his family coming into that Murder castle. Murder a bunch and the, of people. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're in that giant beetle thing, mm. and uh, they're just, like, stabbing guys with the legs and running them over and shooting things yeah, at them. Yeah, that's the I'm weird like, part. <laughs> like your, your family's pretty yeah. brutal, man. Yeah, part of me wishes they kind of went into that a bit more, of the conflict between uh Jaime and the scarab itself where the scarab is a murderous machine wants to kill every aggression in its path and Jaime is this kind of not boy scout but this you know kid who he doesn't want to be a murderer and a part of me want there to be more conflict there but I guess the scarab just listens to its host and is like okay so the like the payoff the the thing at the end where Jaime gets really upset because he thinks one of his family members is killed and then he's about to kill giant goon number one. Carapex. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Olmec. Of course, there's sirens going off. I'm in Toronto, people. Um, 
Yeah, he's about to kill him, and then the scarab stops him. And he's like, we don't kill people. I feel like this movie had, like, 15 minutes cut out of it, mm-hmm. where there was, like, extra scenes sprinkled throughout of it that gave a little bit more of character development, but wasn't overly important. Yeah. I feel like some producer came and cut 15 minutes out. It was that, and then also the main villain's, like, side scientist, where you could tell he felt bad at the end and helped Jaime get free. Yeah. And I feel like he had, like, an extra scene of just him being like, hey, we probably shouldn't be doing this. But I feel like that got cut. The sad thing to me is that I'm on, I'm just looking up the cast right now, and on Google, he's listed as Sanchez. Dr. Sanchez. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Somebody missed the point of the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. But in terms of Jaime and the Scarab, I thought what they did was good enough. I'm like, okay, so the first time the Scarab takes over, it listens to Jaime. Okay, fine, we'll do it your way. I'm programmed to kill, but I'll, I'll listen to you. And then it's it bonds with him even more. Like he's there's that scene when mm. he's kind of in the afterlife and he bonds with the Scarab completely. All their, I think the uh, the doctor even said their, like the synapses in his brain were melding with it, like he's completely yeah. synced up with this thing now. They feel the same thing. So even though the scarab wanted to kill first, it's just like okay, fine, I'll do what you say, I guess. But now it mm-hmm. actually feels what he feels. It knows how he thinks. It knows he is a good guy at heart, and he's just overreacting yeah. right now. It's like, hey, I'm literally in your brain. I know you'll regret this. So mm-hmm. let's not do that because yeah. like we're basically each other now. I think he got the scarab's aggressive tendencies a bit, and the scarab took his more mm-hmm. pacifistic tendencies. So yeah, they, yeah, they meet in the middle. I guess it's just part of me just wanted like a little bit more, which you yeah, know, well, I get, I get that is a just, good thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing for this movie, I guess. Which I think there was enough. Could warrant a good for technical sequel. Yeah, yeah. you know. For a movie that's all, everybody's going to die except the Blue Beetle because of the reboot. But, um, oh well. I think technically yeah, speaking, uh, uh, speaking of the writing, I thought that the script was actually pretty, pretty tight in terms of, I bet you if you looked at the page count, it's exactly what it should be. I could definitely yeah. feel, uh, okay, he got the scarab on his back. He flies through the roof. That's a clear act of an end of act one. The dad dies, the house blows up. Okay, this is clearly the, the halfway point, like straight mm-hmm. in the middle. Act three is when he sinks up with the scarab and breaks out. I'm like, there are very And that that's how I know it was pretty well done. Like I can I can tell exactly where the acts start in the mm-hmm. story, how how it's structured. So I think somebody who knows what they're doing went through this script and was like, Okay, we're 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 doing it. Like, mm-hmm. to the page here, probably. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, Act 1 ended on page 30, Act 2 ended on page yeah. 120 or 60. Yeah, it does feel a little little bit formulaic. Wow, that was something I mispronounced greatly. But there's just also... But it's well done. It's like... A it, lot of high... It's, it's well done because, yeah, it's formulaic, but what... But it works. ...keeps people intrived with... Or what keeps people interested with formulate content it's the characters themselves and the world itself yeah this movie is beautifully well shot the characters oh, yeah. are amazing i mean it's the same thing where i mean freaking you know star wars happened that follows the hero's journey pretty well but it's the world and the characters harry potter does this exact same thing does the hero's journey the characters and the world building as well and this movie just does that as well. I mean, you can do formulaic things, but you just had to add sprinkle of your own, like a little special recipe that you have at home that makes your, that makes your product the, the best. That sounds like I'm selling drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah, it's weird how I feel about this movie because I went in it with like no expectations, super low. I was like, this is going to suck. And I came out and I was like, no, nah, I had fun. I, it's a fun movie. I wouldn't go out and be like, you have to go see this movie now. But I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have fun from start to finish. Yeah, I think it's a pretty. It's the kind of movie where you watch it 
and you probably don't need to see it more than once. It's nothing yeah. super special, but it does what it does well. It's like, okay, do I have any expectations? No. But will I go in will I come out of it emotionally satisfied, entertained by some explosions, get some superhero action, get some good family drama in there, get good characters that I like, be dazzled by bright colors and flashy mm-hmm. things and laugh a lot. Sure. Like you it kind of runs the gamut. It does all the like there's a romance subplot as well. It's like most things you go to the movies for. That's the one gripe here. I had with the movie. They're not exceptional. The romance didn't feel earned to me. It was like two was scenes quick. of them bonding, and I was like, eh. Yeah, the rest was I don't believe you. <laughs> well, is that the thing I... I mean, to be yeah. fair, uh, Jolo Maraduana, I hope I... That Mena, Meraduana? I think it's Meraduana. There we go, thank you. Yeah. He's a very charming man. Meraduana. So, yeah. He's a very charming person. So, I believe <laughs> that yeah. anybody would be attracted to him. But I don't know, it's just, yeah. it's... I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah, the way I tend to see it is more like I don't they see it as bond, a, and that's there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it as a great romance. I'm just like you know, two young people, very attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. They had a couple good moments. They're a little bit compatible. They've they've kind yeah. of forged through fire. They've gone through some stuff together now. Yeah. Who says if they'll work out? It's not that I, I wouldn't know, believe. I believe, obviously, that he's attracted to her. It just part of me doesn't believe that she would be attracted to him. But also, they went through this entire shitstorm together. And then they also had that yeah. moment in the house where they almost kissed. And then there's the obvious, hey, come interrupt the kiss moment. I saw but, that you know, coming it, a it mile works. away. I'm like, and oh here's where Uncle Rudy yeah. comes in. Here comes Rudy, yep. He's like, oh, there you go, yeah. But that scene kind of was saved a little bit. The way, um, I, I keep wanting to call him Miguel. The way <laughs> Jomlo gets up, he kind of like gets up like hunched over, trying not to show that he got like a little excited. There's some adult jokes in this movie. I think Rudy even said something about his pants tent or. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, shut up, Rudy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My crazy uncle. The Mexican Doc Brown, as they called him. <laughs> that was funny. You know, cord tech doesn't work. My, my stuff mm-hmm. works. Has to kick the thing. Every over time he mentioned 1984 or made a reference to Big Brother, in the back of my head, I was like, Joe's going to like that. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's going to like the references. I love yeah. he's got like a whole, it's not even a poster in his room. It's just in the house and the family accepts it. You yeah. can see it in the dining room onto the doorway. I thought that was really funny. Just a poster of the Big Brother eye. The eye is always watching. One of my favorite. Well, actually, there's that can easily be seen as two jokes because. Knowing my DC history, Batman did make a a thing called Big Brother, I think, or Brother Eye. Oh yeah, that's kind of like that's in spying injustice in, as well. It, it is in injustice. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, it does kind of spy on people, so that like Big Brother's watching, and he calls Batman a fascist. It is funny because Batman <laughs> did create something like that in DC lore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the history of this movie is like. But that would be kind of funny because he was right, actually, yeah. on both fronts. But uh, yeah, Rudy, I, I enjoyed his character. His paranoia was, he stood out from the family because of that. Mm-hmm. He's like more outgoing. George and, Lopez, baby. And he was also the funniest one. Eddie 2000's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know who George Lopez is. <laughs> I don't remember what I've seen him in, but I know I've seen him in stuff. Everything. <laughs> he was in a lot when we were growing uh, up, for sure. Yeah. The noticeable one, he was Mr. Electric in Shark Point Lava Girl. Oh, really? <laughs> He's that guy. Okay. He also had his own TV show for a while, I believe. But he was also a stand-up comedian as well. So you would just see him on TV a lot. Back when cable was a thing. Any you kids out there know what cable is? No, you don't. It's that don't. thing your parents still buy for sports. Anyway. Yeah. Do they even buy cable for that or just video on demand or satellite or I don't know. No, I don't know. My parents still have cable, but it's yeah. weird. I, I kind of rushed over it, but I do want to talk about the suit and just how pretty it looks. I think it's a really good suit. It's well designed. Whether or not it's mostly CG or mostly practical, I can't tell. I and saw the set photos. Awesome. I don't know about yeah. the helmet, but I saw the set photos months ago. I know and for a fact ago. sometimes it's completely practical. Yeah. I know that for a fact. I think most I'm just times saying it was. whoever designed it deserves a raise. 
I was keeping a close eye out, and I'm pretty sure most mm. of the time it was. The For only sure. times I thought yeah. that it was like, oh, this is like all CGI, or when he was fighting that Omak in at the end in the, yeah. in the mm-hmm. full costume. I'm like, okay, this looks like CGI. But there were a couple times I swear I saw a transition from CGI to practical in the same shot. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, this was a practical suit, or it turned into a practical suit for this stunt. Even when he was getting thrown into cars, I feel like that was a practical stunt in a mm-hmm. in a suit. It yeah, looks it's hard really, to it's hard to tell. Which, hey, that's great. It, like the best visual effects are ones you can't even tell are visual effects. Mm-hmm. You had me guessing the entire time, which isn't easy to do anymore. So yeah, good on the even VFX when team. you even when it's obviously fully CGI fights, especially at the end, I couldn't really tell. It was CGI. Most of the CGI in this movie was really good. Yeah. Except for like a couple things. But that I think that was more on the just like the creative uh choice for it. Like the um the ethereal plane where he's talking to his dad. Uh is like, oh, it's not your time yet. It's very bright and it's very fuzzy. I think that was more of a creative choice. Yeah. And also some of the fire didn't look great, but that's fire is so hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Let's see. Uh, oh, another thing about the suit is whenever they pull up the weapons or he pulls out the weapons, you can barely tell, but there's a couple close-ups where it will show the outline of the weapon before it's fully formed, kind of like an organic okay. vein-like thing, and then it fully goes to it. Okay. So it's like, here's the first draft of the drawing, and then it, it's fully formed. And I thought that was a really cool choice. I don't know. I thought that was neat. What I thought it's, was interesting about it was I wondered, okay, so where is this suit making this stuff from? Is it Does it just have unlimited supply? To, like when it was shooting out those, I don't really know what they were. They were kind of clamps to pin yeah, the bad yeah. guy down. And then mm. when the clamps dissipated, I noticed that the particles headed back towards the suit. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So it's not just making stuff up out of thin air entirely. It does have, it. it's drawing mm-hmm. it back to itself so it does it does need to replenish that so I don't know alien tech man <laughs> yeah I just mean it was kind of based in something like like the fact that they made them dissipate in the yeah, little particles and head back to the suit and when, uh, it, it wasn't just yeah. magic I mean Miguel's suit was damaged and half his face was gone a la Spider-Man 2000 yeah where like half his face just <laughs> or 2001 like half the face is gone. And then a part of me, when he put on the suit again at the end, I was like, so how did he fix? <laughs> how did he fix the mask? Is it a recharge thing? Is it organic? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to ask Justin. I think it's, it looks like just general nanotechnology. Like when he was cut, it did heal mm. him. So again, yeah. it can repair Miguel. I don't see why it can't repair itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At all. Just, yeah. pull, just put up that meme of the guy being like, aliens. You know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> I, know, I, know exactly. I know exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Aliens. The classic meme. <sighs> Let's see. Susan uh, Sarandon's a weird choice. <laughs> I just remember seeing the... her being like, didn't you retire? <laughs> like, <laughs> I haven't seen you in 10 years. <laughs> she was one of the most scenery-chewing villains I've seen in a long time. Which, once again, yeah. mileage may vary. I enjoyed it. I'm like, you know what? You're just having fun. You're just a you're just a mustache twirling bad guy. I know you're evil. You're not trying to hide she it. She has a mustache? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're not trying to hide what you are, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the relatable bad guy trend. Everybody has to She's have a soft story. She's just an evil story. corporate white woman. Fine. Want to get that money? Oh, and she's Go also kind of she's also racist. All the little yeah. microaggressions. Sanchez, yeah. that's not Actually, my name. Okay, I have to phrase this properly. <laughs> I like the way this movie portrayed microaggressions, where it wasn't over the top, but you could definitely notice it. Their reactions to the characters who were on the receiving end of microaggressions, they weren't. They were a little taken back. Like, ugh. it wasn't like mm-hmm. a, they didn't make a big deal out of any of it but it was enough that the audience was like oh they're being disrespectful towards them but they're not reacting because yeah. they're just kind of used to it this is just daily life usually with the just with wait the over there jamie a part of me i was like oh my name <laughs> my like, name's come on my name's jaime yep over there jamie 
It's like, you know, for a fact, that's not how he pronounced his name. Yeah. Just trying to whitewash uh, them. And also... That whole cord building scene, not that part, but just whenever they went to the court, it just... It felt a little rushed and kind of stupid. We're like, lock down the entire building. Nobody's allowed to leave. And then Yame just walks out. <laughs> he just walks right past the guards. So I was just like, yeah, okay. And then it was like, okay, we need to get this key to get the scarab off. It's behind the front desk. <laughs> like the key that they need they made to get to easy. the... Yeah. It was just, I was like, okay. And there's not even security. All the security is three guards in the fucking security room. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It's not the important part, but a part was like, nah, you could have worked better. <laughs> you could have written that a little bit better, but yeah. Oh, well, movie can't be perfect. So going back to the, the microaggression thing for a bit, I just, I like that the general, another general theme in this movie was about gentrification. Mm-hmm. The neighborhood that they're living in, it's, it's poor, but it's got a good sense of community and they like their home. And don't want to leave it. But Cord Industries is going to come in. They're going to modernize it. I think Milagro even has this whole speech about, well, yeah, that that's how this works. You know, we're here until the rich people feel like being here. And then we're pushed somewhere else. And mm-hmm. that's just that's basically how it works. It's like, well, yeah, they don't care about us. They think this is trash. This area is poor uh, until they want to be here. And then, oops, now we're gone. Yeah. And also, I think, like Rudy was saying, like, well, yeah, who, like, we can't go to the cops with this. Who do you think controls the cops? Cord. Or at least they, they want to work for the rich people. Like, the whole system's against them. Even someone like Jaime, who went yeah. to college, went in a, in a lot of debt, he still ends up working at that country club. Mm-hmm. And his sister's like, hey, you know, he's got a degree, right? Nobody cares. It's just... He's, it's true. Yeah. He, start, he started on a, on a lower social rung, and even though he worked his ass off well to to be fair he went to gotham law which you know their law system's not great he went to gotham law. i didn't catch that that's funny he was wearing a sweater and then on the back i saw the sigil of gotham law there was little little hints like there was a lex court building i think there was a oh i didn't notice that i missed a lot of the easter eggs i think yeah there was lex corp the gotham law thing i think there was maybe wayne enterprise i don't think so i can't remember off the top of my head but I remember seeing a LexCorp building and then the Gotham Law thing. Because I wondered what school he went to. And it's like, Gotham Law. And that part of me was like, would that school be really cheap or really expensive? I think cheap. <laughs> yeah. So, I feel like the guy's six figures comment. He doesn't know shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll pay you to come here. <laughs> Kinda. You, oh, we'll you have to go to school to in Gotham? Imagine taking like a law course and then your professor just Batman. It's like, so this is what I do. But just wearing a cowl, everything's a business suit. For some reason, I was imagining Harvey Bullock instead of Batman. Can you imagine, like, Harvey oh, that'd Bullock be hilarious. as your teacher? He's just I would so, love that. He's just so pissed off and moody, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be there. But it's the one from the cartoon. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. It's Harvey Bullock's Harvey Bullock, yeah. and that would, be, that would be funny. If he taught Or is anything. the guy from the Batman... I'm making an accessory to murder. <laughs> He's the guy with the mustache. That's uh, I just rewatched that movie again. Don't know why. It was good. It's still good. It's <laughs> a great one. So I thought the first act was a little slow. Slow. I don't know how, like when you're in a theater just watching this, you're like, okay, well I'm here. I got, I got to sit through the first act. It's going to be a slow build. I, I worry how people react to things on streaming because I feel like nobody has any patience on streaming. Oh, I'm bored. Click mm-hmm. off. You, you won't wait for it to get to the good parts. I understand the first act was important and I think it, I respect that it had the guts to not have any action at all in the first half hour. Yeah. He just, it's just him and his family and oh, I'm just this, this kid from, uh, from a poor neighborhood trying to make my life better and my family's life better. Tried to, you know, I, I pissed off the lady, the rich lady I'm working for. I'm trying to get a new job with, uh, with her daughter or niece. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very grounded in reality. It's about the family and him trying to make a better life for himself. Mm-hmm. And, and then it gets weird about half an hour yeah. in, but it's, 
surprisingly grounded for the first half hour. Most superhero mm-hmm. movies don't show that kind of restraint. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very interesting. But I kind of like that they used all their time to focus on the family themselves. Yeah, because there's a lot of members in that family, and the family is the big point, uh, a big um, story point of this movie. Um, I don't like the sister. Hello, I think girl. she's <laughs> yeah. I think she's very selfish. She's the reason they got fired, not Jaime. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she used. It is a little ridiculous, like, oh, you can't use these bathrooms. You have to use the service bathrooms. But, you know, like, don't go somewhere you're not supposed to. And then don't walk out being like, whoo, I just used this bathroom, everybody. Mm -hmm. Just like, okay, you know. But she's kind of that sibling who, you know, you love and you kind of tolerate, but they're a little annoying at the same time, but you would do anything for them. So that representation is well done. She's the one who tells it like it is. I, I liked her at the beginning when they're like, "Go, oh, Jaime, mm-hmm. we have, um, like, mom and dad have bad news for you. Oh, okay. We're losing the house. Yeah, because that's you. Uh, okay. <laughs> we have a heart, dad had a heart attack and he lost the shop. <laughs> what? Just, what? Just Why didn't you out. tell me? And the part where it's like, well, we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want you to worry about you because we knew you were in school. I've, that's happened to me. <laughs> like, that's uh, a that's yeah. a real it thing. Felt, it's it not a relatable. cliche, people. Yeah. It felt relatable. It's like, and not to that extent. So everybody calm down. But like, well, why aren't you telling it, it me felt things? Real. Just because you're trying yeah, to exactly. keep a distance? Well, we didn't want you to worry. <laughs> that's didn't want me to worry. <laughs> but I know it cuts both ways, too. I did the same thing to my parents. I'm like, well, maybe I yeah. won't mention <laughs> this or that. Uh, just for their well-being. Better. Maybe I won't mention right now that I skipped an entire week. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just not that's, going to classes. That's not talking about How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I've, it, it's it's very interesting the the whole family part at the beginning, and then the dad. I see it in your notes the dad tipping like twenty five percent to the waiter. Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, twenty five. Is that how much it's gone up? Because <laughs> when we were growing up, the standard was fifteen. 15. Now it's yeah. twenty five, or maybe he's just a very generous person. I took it as. That he's just very generous because the mom even made a comment like, you, you know, we're, you know, we're broke, right? And he's like, you know what? She's yeah. a hard worker. She's probably not getting paid enough. She deserves this. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I can give it to her. And yeah. that's the kind of guy that he's like, what's for, he's like, well, let's worry about bills tomorrow. Today's a good day. Yeah. Time he's back. He's I like, love oh. his, whole, I love his whole vibe. He was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, let's live in the moment. This is what matters is here. Uh, I think he said La Familia is forever. And this is yeah. just, you know, this is the most important thing is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he's a good uh, character. Who Who is the actor who played the dad there? Uh, Damien, Damien Alcazar. Mm-hmm. Is Alberto Reyes. Yeah, he was one of the standout performers in this movie. I thought he was, he just had this vibe about him. And I'm like, oh, you're just like, I knew he was going to die because he was too likable. I could tell, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, ah, you're like. You're awesome, and you're they're gonna kill you. Yeah. Well, they also set it up. He's like, "Oh, he had a heart attack," and I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> yeah. Prior health experience. He's his son's about to be a superhero. It's not a very yeah. unstressful environment, so <laughs> some shit's gonna go down. There's that too. It's kind. It's weird though. It's like I kind of want to compare it to Jonathan Kent in the original Super. Man movie where it's like, oh, he died because of a health condition, but also he did die because the government came or did these higher ups came and like destroyed his home and put him under so much stress. So it's like kind of like that, but very different at the same time. I think the point is the same as that, though, in that Mm -hmm. as much power as Jaime has as a superhero, there's some things he can't stop. He can't stop his dad from having a heart attack and dying. He's not, he doesn't have that kind of power, even though he can blow up all the ships and beat up all the bad guys he can't stop a heart attack mm-hmm. so scare the shit out of some people who clearly just took some mushrooms <laughs> yeah well. that was a good joke has he hit you yet i didn't get it at first and then after the words they were like they looked really like strung out i was like oh <laughs> i missed the setup. they're high as fuck yeah, yeah. I, I missed the setup for that joke i didn't really i'm just, i don't i don't know what's happening here mm-hmm. yeah well yeah i missed it completely and i was like oh there they go. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that was that was. They funny. were high. 
and then the guy falls out of the sky. Oh my god! Cuts a bus in half. He was the most high. Yeah, I love his react. I think it was in the trailer more where his reaction to the bus getting cut in half. He puts his like hand to his mouth, like "Oh no!" <laughs> Wasn't that much in in the theatrical, but I I thought that his reaction still was just like, "Uh, <laughs> oh no." I really liked that. To me, that's where the movie kicked into high gear was when it like he got the scare, but I'm like, oh, now it's moving. And it never really let up. Yeah. From there. The pace was mm-hmm. solid from then on. The first act was slow yeah. and then it just and it kept mm-hmm. going. I like the makeup, too. When his shirt's off, and you see the scarabs like in his skin. Yeah. It's really well done. And his family is like, ah, pathetically. I forgot like, how disgusting Ugh. it looked. Put on some clothes. Oh, these were my favorite shoes, the 84s. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Yame, you get new shoes, my guy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, they are Converse, so they're more popular in the 80s. Anyway, we're not getting to... This is not about air, anyway. (laughs) It's the wrong movie. Which Um, you also watched. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. I see. You have it, like, right there when they're raiding the house... That, that felt very like, yeah, yeah. That was like, hmm. It's one of the only. This feels like someone that... has been raided before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, this. This feels a little too real. Like somebody had personal experience. Yeah. And now we're not naming any names, but it felt well, yeah, very no, true I don't to know. life. I don't know. So like, it could have been the writer, could have been the director, could have mm-hmm. been somebody on set who was like, hey, you know, I. Yeah. I've been. Cord is very much. Uh, an allegory or the troops at least are very much an allegory for like the they're called ice in um in some parts of america but the immigration like enforcement down there where they do a lot of raids on just family homes just kind of like that so yeah the the depiction of it is real (laughs) it's pretty uh and i think that's one of my well, it's weird to say, but I think that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it didn't really mm-hmm. pull any punches there. It's, well, not that the yeah. rest of the movie was, but it's, the rest of it had this kind of upbeat thing. Everyone was laughing. And I think because it was more comic before that point, when it finally hits you with that really real scene, mm-hmm. it hits all the harder. You're like, oh, these really nice people we've come to know and love in our own way. And they're, they're being treated like dirt for no reason. And it just, it feel, it hits too close to home, probably for a lot of people watching. And it's like, and the house is burning and blowing up and the dad's having a heart attack because of the stress. It's just, mm. okay, yeah, the bad guys are flying in on helicopters and their son's in a bulletproof suit getting shot at. And it's like, yeah, there's some fantastical elements to it, but it's all played seriously enough that, it really hits home yeah. as the lowest point in the movie for the characters. Yeah, just the uh, guy when they were tearing the sister away from the rest of the family. You just they played it so well too. The actors just like the screams of agony and sadness were just like being pulled apart. I was like, oh, this is very real. I was just like, yeah. damn, they they really they went for it and respect. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think superhero so, uh, movies need more real moments like that. Yeah, for sure. That are just like, oh, you know, this is this is the kind of thing the hero is fighting for, right? It's not mm-hmm. just nameless, faceless bad guys or just generic take over the world types. It's there's actual injustice in the world, and Jaime's in a position to understand, like, oh, this happens to people who look like me or in my community, and. I have the power to help that or stop the guys who are doing it or committing these injustices. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that helps ground a hero in reality. What are they actually fighting for? Mm-hmm. That's, that's very important to just, I mean, he fights for his family first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, um, it's a simple movie, but it works. Yes. Um, what's what was really funny, not in terms of the movie, but just my reaction is when they go to the Blue Beetle Cave, yep. whatever it's called Ted, in the comics. Ted Cords. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Cords. And the part, and as soon as they like showed all the stuff that I'm sure is a cameo or I'm sure is a reference to the comics. Yeah. 
<laughs> I I had a thought in my head where where it was I know I'm supposed to feel something, but I know nothing. <laughs> like I don't know anything about Blue Beetle, and I'm sure Blue Beetle fans love this. No, I, there's got to be little Easter eggs here and there. I don't know a whole lot about Blue Beetle either, but I I did enjoy it because I'm like, ah, oh, this Tick Cord's costume. Wait, is that Dan Garrett's costume? That's a deep cut. But mm-hmm. I'm glad they're respecting the history here. I I really don't know. And much. I like the uh, the one mannequin that didn't have a costume. Wink, wink. Yeah, Justin theorizes that that would be Ted Cord's more most up to date modern costume mm-hmm. for technology. Honestly, the only thing I really know about Ted Cord and longer time listeners ought to know this about me, but I'm a massive fan of Booster Gold, and to me, what I associate Ted Cord with most is being Booster Gold's best friend. Booster Gold is the greatest hero you've never heard of, and nobody really knew about Ted Cord's Blue Beetle as well, and most of the 90s was just Ted Cord and Blue Beetle, like Ted Cord and Booster Gold screwing around and nobody taking them seriously. And that was what a lot of 90s Justice League was, because (laughs) they're just like two goofy heroes. Mm-hmm. Who are trying to be taken seriously and like they really complement each like they're one of the great dynamic duos in DC history. So I, I hope Was Ted Cord one of the heroes who got absolutely bodied by Doomsday when he was introduced? Or was that yeah. just Booster Gold? Uh I think Ted Cord was on the Justice League at that time too. So I think he would have mm-hmm. been in that battle as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm pretty sure doomsday like threw Bruce of gold into space or something like that i can't remember <laughs> just like oh god the absolute tragic end of booster gold yeah Ted Cord I, he came back for sure. in there i think yeah but uh oh. yeah they're so ted cord i like how they made him have a history within the universe mm-hmm. um it's just it's not like oh this has just happened Right away, like, yeah. oh no, this was years ago. Like, Rudy knows that he was a hero before. He's like, man, this guy was the Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what this was guy the was lot? the shit. <laughs> I have I have a quote here from him. He's like, well, who who the heck is Blue Beetle? Oh man, he's like Superman or the Flash, <laughs> but not as good. <laughs> Justin died laughing in the, in the seat next to me at that. I'm like, oh, you mm-hmm. just got roasted, and that's so funny. Ah. Uh. This is kind of like Batman. Batman's a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> He's just tinkering with the technology. Oh, yeah. I like that he got core technology and his own to work just by kicking it. Mm-hmm. He's I like, mean, cords junk, but my stuff is also not. Yeah. To me, that's very funny because, again, for all you young people out there who may be watching this, that's how you fix shit. He gave it a little love tap. It's how we fix TVs. It's how he fixed GameCubes, how he fixed engines. He just had to give it a little bit of muscle love. I think one of my favorite examples is the Fonz from Happy Days. Whenever he couldn't yep. get anything to work, he just <laughs> bash it with his elbow. Is that what that's from? That reference everywhere that I see? Just Where's bash- like someone walks in and they like bash it with their elbow and then instantly works? Yeah, that's the Fonz. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. I learn something new every day. I learn something new every time I talk to you, Joe. <laughs> I'm an encyclopedia for useless facts. Same. That's <laughs> what we do. Right. Uh, so, out of the family, I think the weakest character was the mother. She's the yeah, only she wasn't one. really given that much to do. Everybody else, I'm like, oh, I know exactly who you are. Like, everyone from Nana to Rudy, like, I know who all you characters are and what your role in the family is and what you do. The mother, I'm like, okay, you had a few decent lines. You're you're there. She was mostly there to just hug uh, Yame. Or Jaime. Yeah. Not Yame. Jaime. When uh, <laughs> he was feeling sad. <laughs> Which yeah. is what moms do. But yeah, she definitely got the least amount of screen time and it definitely showed. She'll probably get more in a sequel, if there's a sequel, and there should be a sequel. I hope so, even if it's just a straight to HBO Max thing. Mm-hmm. It's just Max now. It's Max. Whatever. We're not getting into it. Like Twitter is just <laughs> X. I don't know what the rebranding's all about. No, it's still called Twitter, but there's just an X. Oh, okay. I thought it was just called X now. I don't know. 
Elon's like web page. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's called. He has an obsession with the letter X. That's sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what I, the bad guys I thought were interesting because they are defi- like their badness, I think is defined a lot in their relations to family. Just like the good guys are the, the family's obviously the, main theme of this movie but the bad guys victoria Corr revealed her motivation when she told jenny in the end well my grandfather my father chose ted Corr to run this company over me i got stabbed in the back by my own family but so i i don't really care you're trying to betray me i kind of expect this from family at this point and right uh, and uh, Omak, I think she erased his memories or something of his family. So he kind of, he was trained to believe family is a weakness. Mm-hmm. Well, with Omak, I was like, that was kind of a neat twist where you saw the picture of the lock-in. I was like, oh, it's his wife and kid or whatever. Yeah. And then it's revealed, no, that's just, a, that was his mom that got blown up ballistically, <laughs> like just absolutely torn to shreds. I was like, oh, that's a nice little twist. Wasn't something that I, uh, and it would make more sense too, because it was a wife and kid. He would have probably related to, um, to Blue Beetle a bit more sooner. But if it was a parent that died years ago and he had no one and he got taken in by the only quote unquote parental figure he had, it it believed his arc a little bit more. I like that, uh, character too. He had a cool design with all the scars and the, robotic limbs and the way that his first suit was very it was cooler personally because it you, was cooler because yeah. you, could, was you could tell it was ground you could tell it was a real suit and it was mm-hmm. a it was more of a real fight as soon as he got the yeah. helmet on and went full i'm like ah this is it's feeling too cartoony now yeah he looked like one of those like a makeshift robot from oh uh, what is that is it in the clone wars no I'm thinking of like an Overwatch short. He looks he looks really strange. <laughs> it's weird. It's like one of the diva shorts. Um, it doesn't matter. But yeah, he just looked a little bit too cartoonish isn't the word, but I just think like Power Rangers-y. That's I don't know. Yeah, that's a vibe. I It's I the same vibe I got from Ironheart in the Wakanda Forever movie. I was just like, oh really? It doesn't belong. <laughs> it feels wrong. Yeah. It yeah. feels out of place. Next to Blue Beetle, though, it felt okay. But when it was just him, you're like, God, what is? What am I looking at? <laughs> it's yeah, very strange. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Anything else? Um, I think one of my favorite things about this is that it dared to be a lower stakes superhero movie. Mm-hmm. When at this time, personally, Avengers Endgame ruined the superhero genre if you're looking back it basically ruined all event movies come to think of it yeah because it hit that point where literally what more can you do you've built this franchise up over 11 years every character across 22 movies is in one movie fighting a giant army for of aliens and Portals are opening from different planets. You were, you were, it was a space movie and a time travel movie across over a decade. It's super high budgeted. You're like your whole last hour is just a massive action in the most epic proportions for the fate of the universe after half the universe got dusted. It, like after Infinity War and Endgame, literally what are event movies anymore? Why, why does anyone even want to try going that big anymore? The fact that it mostly stuck the landing took 11 years of work. Because of that money, Joe. Everybody wants the money. I know, but it's... But they can't get the money because they need 10 years of build-up, but nobody wants to do 10 years of build-up. They're they're never going to do that again. But everyone's still trying to make these big event movies. And I'm like, no, no, nobody wants to see that anymore. So (laughs) I respect the lower stakes. Like, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to go back to basics. And Mm-mm. just tell. Go back to trilogies. Sure. Or even just standalone. I don't care. Yeah. Standalone, good stories about characters. 
and maybe that'll become a franchise. We can't, we got to stop thinking in terms of franchises anymore. Oh, what can we make a sequel out of or keep going with? How about you just Mm -hmm. go back to the old school way of let's make a thing. And if that thing is successful, we can make more. (laughs) And if that's successful, we can do more after that. Let's just start going one at a time again. I think that was a better way. Of course, if you're smart, plan ahead for more. If you're like, oh, well, here's stuff (laughs) we can do if we do more. Mm -hmm. But don't don't make that your goal. Just, you know, put your best foot forward first. And exactly. I completely agree. Yeah. And well, like I said before, I don't think Blue Beetle put its best foot forward. It's not the apex of the Blue Beetle character as far as I'm aware. It will get more interesting if they're allowed to continue. Mm-hmm. But it's a good introduction. It feels standalone enough that, okay, I can just watch the Blue Beetle movie and, yeah, it references other DC characters and places and people. But it it doesn't feel, I don't need to have seen every DC movie or any DC movie to really understand its place. It's just, here's a superhero yeah. and this Blue Beetle mantle was passed down to a couple people in this world already. And here's a story about Jaime Reyes and his family dealing with this alien thing. And that's it. It's, it doesn't require much context and that's a strength. No. And it's fun. And it's, it's a fun, fun movie. It's fun. It's funny. Yeah. It's, it's got I can't say that for the past four superhero movies I watch, ex- excluding Guardians 3. Yeah. But <laughs> I had fun. Yeah, I, I didn't really expect a lot from it, but it's mm-hmm. enjoyable, which is more than I can say for most movies I watch. Usually I'm just mm-hmm. kind of bored. Yeah. And the last movie I saw in theaters was Oppenheimer, and that was enjoyable in a different way, in a depressing way. <laughs> Yes, it's it's a movie that gives you more of an existential crisis than a entertainment, mm-hmm. but it's still impacting you on some level. But Good thing we didn't destroy the world. I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> on that dark note, Blue Beetle dun, dun, is. Dun. Uh, <laughs> I'd say imagine if very... that movie ended with a dun dun, <laughs> like a old timey like forties just. Oh, I would have given it. Christopher Nolan such a huge props. I would have found it hilarious. Everybody else would have hated it. <laughs> oh, that would have been. Oh, that would have ruined the whole thing. If that's someone make an edit, someone out there make an edit. Oh no, please it. make an edit. But I just didn't want to see it in the in the in the first cut. Do what oh, you God. want in the edit. But yeah, it's a simple and clear film. I think its biggest problem, personally, is the time it came out. We're all so used to superhero yes. movies at this point. That this is just, yeah, it, it's a mid-tier That's one. That's going to be its downfall. In the grand scheme of superhero movies, it was, it, in like 10 more years, it'll still be considered a mid-tier one, probably. Unless they get, mm-hmm. like, god-awful in the next 10 years. Yeah. Maybe this will be seen as better. But if this came out 10 years ago, it would have been seen as pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, that's I the also biggest think, thing too, we're still in the middle of the strike. This yeah. movie was not promoted that much because of strike rules. And also people are getting sick of superhero movies just a little bit. And this is one of the four movies that are going to come out. Excuse me, a little bit of indigestion. Uh, where James Gunn is doing a reboot and saying this Blue Beetle movie is not part of that new universe, but we might bring the character over or whatnot, depending if it gets money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so part of me is very worried and probably just from, you know, some research I've done and like it's expected box office opening of only like 17 million this weekend. Yeah. It's not going to do that well financially. I hope but it deserves to get, you know, yeah. past what it the budget was for. I think two things might help save it. Three, actually. Maybe. Word first of thing, mouth. Well, word of mouth is the first thing. Second thing is that James Gunn said the character is going to carry over. So unlike The Flash, which is DC's last bomb, or Shazam. 120 million. So unlike The, the Flash or Shazam, people are like, oh, well, if he's going to carry over, this might still count. So mm-hmm. it'll entice people to be like, oh, well, I'm not, it's not for nothing if he's going to keep going. Yeah. And the third thing, I'm kind of hoping 
uh, the Latino community will rally around it as the first. Oh, for sure. As the first superhero movie so. to star a Latino lead. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, that's that's a really big deal. It, like the way the black community rallied around Black Panther when that came out. Like, hey, the first superhero movie with an African lead. That's that's crazy. Let's go see this. So I'm hoping this will be the same kind of thing for the Latino community. Yeah, I assume they'll definitely go out uh, and see it in, in Strove, Stroves, Droves, yeah, Droves. Yeah, it's a weird word. I mean, not just them. I, I hope, hope, I hope, I mean, I word hope of mouth helps it as uh, as much too because it's weird over the past few years, especially after the pandemic. Word of mouth does is helped more though. in terms of negative. <laughs> It's yeah. helped more negatively than it has positively in terms of, hey, this movie's bad because of this, 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 and this. Instead of being like, oh, no, please go see this movie. It's it's great. But I do think word of mouth helps out a lot. I mean, most of the Oscar nominations last year, I wouldn't have saw if it wasn't for word of mouth. I yeah. mean, Banshee's Vayner Sheeran, The Fablemans. I was going to go see The Whale anyway. Um... Maybe that's it. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Everything, everywhere. One of the best once. movies to come out. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. One of the best word of mouth movies to have come out in our in this decade alone. So, yeah, I hope this gets enough praise that people go see it, so we can see more of this character because I do think it was a well made movie. And on that note, let's wrap her up. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe, where we debate what's better, or what's the best Captain America movie. I don't know which one you're picking yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Till next time. Take care.